Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the suns get set to shine. Mary, the guy heard. Here's the jump shot. Comes to Marley. A long three. He got it! He got it! Into Booker. Here's the three. Suzanne! Sir Charles. And he flies in for a wham, bam, slam. Bravo time! He got it! Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less, a podcast about the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. My name is Max McCauley and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. His name is David Nash. David, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Max. It's always good to be back. Lots of uh, interesting players and topics for this position that we've chosen this week, I think. So looking forward to seeing what we agree on and, and maybe what we disagree on on this one, Max. Yeah, this one may be some room for disagreement. We'll, we'll see on that. But uh, it's just us this time. No guests. We're doing the point guard position, which for the first time in the history of this podcast, at least, David, will actually be about who's on the team rather than hypothetical fits. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to talk about, you know, Ricky Rubio, an NBA starting point guard. That's that's kind of fun. But uh, before we get into that, David, is there anything to recap? There's not much news in August, Max, but I did go along to the Australia Team USA game last week. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, picked, I picked the wrong one, unfortunately. I picked the first mm. game where you beat us 102 to 86, and our boy Baines had 8 and 6 in that one. But the second game, Max, 98-94 win to my boys Australia after 66 tries, I believe, try to beat Team USA, which is pretty hilarious. Wow. Uh, and Baines had 13 and 4 and looked a little better in that one. I've got some thoughts on him uh, but we'll save those for the center pod, which is the last one of our series uh, next week, I would say, Max. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually missed that game. Uh, I didn't realize Australia beat us. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Uh, USA were, were pretty horrid down the stretch, and Paddy Mills caught fire. Boomer, uh, our good friend Jacob, who listens to the pod, said Boomer Paddy is fun, and he certainly is. He's been fun for many, many years in an Australian uniform, plays a slightly different role to what he does on the Spurs and uh yeah he caught fire down the stretch and, and got us the win ah cool shout out to Jacob love Jacob one of the nicest guys he really is but there was that Rosier news that I mentioned on last week's episode Max which is a little old now but fits a little bit more in line with this episode so I thought I'd read you the quote first from the story because I'm not sure if you or the listeners have heard it. I'll read a little bit of the story and the quote from Rosier okay. but uh, he said the the article said he spent much of the night dreaming of what it would be to light up Madison Square Garden. By the following night, not only the Knicks but also Phoenix had offered a contract, a bigger, better one. We're gonna have to take that one though. He thought. Then the Charlotte Hornets beckoned. Rosier renamed, uh, remained sorry, inclined to accept Phoenix's bid. That was when Rosier said Michael Jordan, the Hornets' principal owner, intervened. Mike was overseas, and I can just picture him probably having a cigar in his mouth and the words he told <laughs> Mitch Kupchak, the GM, was like, get him over here, do you, do what you need to get him over here. And then Rosier said wow. he'd be a fool to go anywhere else and to turn down MJ, which really made me think, you know, obviously the current players still have... MJ in that high regard, even though he's been a pretty terrible owner. 
for the mm. Charlotte Hornets. And uh, I, I wondered what your reaction to that news was, Max, because I, I had mixed feelings on it. It wasn't positive, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking actually at a poster I have on my wall of uh, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley uh, hanging out. I think it's during the finals that maybe it's from, but uh, just seeing him with the Suns right there, it really saved us. Michael Jordan did. <laughs> he um, really did. Terry Rozier is just not a good basketball player, and maybe he'll improve in the future. Maybe he's one of those guys who just needs a different situation. But based on the evidence we have, he isn't good. Yeah. Um, and especially he's not worth, what is he making, $19 million a year for uh, three years of that? Three for 58, yep. Jesus Christ. I mean, so that's just insane. And if the Suns were offering anything close to that, and my guess is they were offering the Rubio contract to him, would be my guess. Yeah. Um, James Jones basically got saved from himself, right? I, I think it would change the entire way we look at this offseason. That would have been such a uh, disastrous move for them to make that it would have taken all the goodwill away from everything else. So, you know, I'm giving, I think both of us are giving, uh, James Jones a lot of leeway mm -hmm. we're, we're letting him do what he's going to do we're going to give him the reins but like man if he had done that I would have been kind of out on him immediately Dave I don't know about you yeah I, I'm pretty similar it, it's a really hard one you know obviously Rubio was rumored to go to the Indiana Pacers I, I remember mm -hmm. our reaction pod it, it surprised the hell out of us when Rubio got uh, signed by the Sun so you know it, I'm guessing it's one of those things where they didn't even have Ricky Rubio on their radar, so it's hard to say that they were choosing Ro Rozier over Rubio. I think you're sure. right in terms of 351. As much as Rozier is saying he you know, chose MJ here, I think he also chose money, and I think the money mm. had to be a certain amount to get that kind of three-way sign-and-trade done with the Hornets and Celtics with Kemba Walker and things, so... I doubt we would have paid him three fifty eight, but I think you're right that it probably wasn't far off that. And if Rubio wasn't on the radar, I guess they were just saying that Rozier was the best on the market versus what else was out there. So I thought we'd play a quick game to end this segment, Max, sure. and, and see if we can find uh, anyone that you would <laughs> rather take Terry Rozier for on this contract <laughs> rather than... Good luck, David. <laughs> <laughs> so the other guys in that free agency, obviously there was Ricky Rubio, and I know your answer to that one. There was Kemba Walker, four years, $141 million. Yeah, I'll take the good player. Uh, we've got George Hill, three years, twenty nine. I'll take George Hill. Ish Smith to start for the Suns at two years, $12 million. I mean, I wouldn't want it, but I want it over Rozier. <laughs> Tyus, 324. Oh, easily, yeah. Derek Rose, 215. Ooh, you found a tough one, kind of, but you know what? I'm taking Derek Rose there. Derek Rose is not only better, he's also way cheaper. D'Lo. Oh, but, but, but I will say bad human, though. <laughs> yes, and, and I'll get to my point on that at the end. But D'Lo, 4117. Um, I'm not the biggest D'Lo fan in the world, but man, we're talking about Rozier, so it's D'Lo. Alfred Payton, 216. <laughs> I mean, it's Alfred Payton. It's just because of contract. Kyrie, four one forty one. No problem. A few easy ones here again. Pat Bev, three forty. Yep. Brogdon, four eighty five. Easy. Corey Joseph, three thirty seven. <laughs> Interesting. That's like the only one that's actually making me think a little bit, David. Just I think there's just no upside whatsoever with him. But I think I'm still taking him just because of the contract. Yep. It one year on the minimum. Yep, I do that. And right, 328. Yep, that one's easy. Well, we've pretty much agreed in... Well, I'll put two caveats in there. I don't want Derek Rose on my team. That would have ruined yeah. my offseason. I would have gone into this season, you know, questioning my fandom for the Suns, to be honest. Sure. I, I really dislike uh, him as a human being. So 
that one definitely tests me. And I thought your point on Corey Joseph was exactly where I sat as well, and maybe where the front office sat of, you know, do we go the, the stabilizing figure with no upside in Corey Joseph for cheap, or do we take a gamble on Terry Rozier, who could mm-hmm. improve, as you said, Max. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for improvement rather than, you know, already production. In the and it is the right place for him, too, right? I, I, I've heard the Dunk Don guys talk about this a couple of times. Nate Duncan's mentioned this, and I know everyone hates him, so boo, hiss, boo, hiss. But uh, <laughs> he talked about how Terry Rozier kind of makes sense on a team like the Suns, where, you know, there's a, a better primary initiator with him, mm-hmm. so he doesn't need to do everything by himself. I mean, it didn't really work very well with Kyrie. I don't know if they played together that much, but uh, it, it's not really... Like, Charlotte's especially a bad place for him, because he's going to be... I mean, I took him in fantasy you know, in the league we're in together, because he's going he's gonna to be their first option, David. He is, and yeah, he's not going to be surrounded by a hell of a lot, which uh, I, doesn't bode well for Terry. I, I'm rooting for him because it's hard to root for, you know, anyone in the NBA that's not a garbage human. You want all these guys yeah. to to do pretty well, but you know, he's got his money now, so uh, if it does go poorly for him, I'm not going to feel too badly. But that's the end of our recap news segment for this week, Max. I'm still thinking about the the Rose Rozier thing because it's <laughs> such an interesting test of like who, what like what you're looking for in your in your rooting interest. You know what I mean? Because Rozier is objectively a worse thing to have in your team just from a total non you know people standpoint. But Rose is just a bad person. It's just interesting to me, man. Yeah, I just I just couldn't root for for a guy like that yeah. wearing the the purple and orange. It would. Uh, really, really change how I looked at the team, even though we've been terrible for some time and signing Rozier might be uh, resigning us to being even more terrible next season. Uh, I'd probably still take it over Derek Rose, which I'm sure there's some people listening that don't understand that or think I am being overreactionary, but that's just where I sit, Max. Yeah, Google it if you don't know what Derek Rose stuff. It's uh, it's a little gnarly. Yep. Uh, but let's move on to the starting point guard uh, of the Phoenix Suns, David, and that is Ricky Rubio. He signed a three-year, fifty-one million dollar deal. According to Spotrac, it starts at sixteen point two million, goes to seventeen million next year, and then the year after, it's seventeen point eight. Uh, David, I guess let's just start here. What, what do you? Th- what's your overall reaction? I mean, everyone heard us freak out about this uh, on our live on our live podcast. It was so. I don't know where, but you know, we've now been thinking about this for a couple of months. Uh, yep. Where are you at on it? Uh, I'm still pretty positive, Max. I'm definitely wary. We've been positive on a few pods talking about Rubio, I guess, just in general terms. It's the first time we're going to be talking about him, you know, very in-depth, I should say. But I'm wary mm. of being over-positive, just some of the stuff we've already talked about on this pod. You know, we've been a terrible team for a long, long time. So to finally get a point guard on the team, you know, it's hard not to be positive, but you know, how good is he going to be? I don't think any of mm-hmm. us really know the the true answer to that. You know, I'm excited to finally see the answers to some of the questions that have frustrated us over a couple of years, I suppose, you know, how's Aiton yeah. going to be with a true point guard on the floor? You know, will Booker having, you know, a, a true point guard next to him, probably for the first time in his career. Yes, he had Eric Bledsoe, but you know, even himself, Eric's not a true point guard, and Booker wasn't, uh, you know, the Booker that we know now when Eric Bledsoe was on that team. You know, I'm not yep. counting the three games at the start of that dis- disastrous season where <laughs> he, he requested a trade. I wish we had our podcast back then, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, that's that's the real fascination for me. I think, you know, again, I'm wary of. Um, you know, not having a point guard 
just being a reason that we see this through rose-colored glasses. There are, you know, we'll mm-hmm. talk about it, a couple of things to be worried about with Ricky, but it's hard not to be positive watching film of Ricky from the last couple of seasons, watching the friendlies that he's currently in for Spain. You know, we'll get onto this in a minute, but he is a true table setter uh, in the NBA, and, and we haven't had one of those for a long, long time, Max. No, we haven't. And you're making some good points here, especially sort of the rose-colored glasses thing. I want to be cognizant of the fact that neither of us wanted him uh, before he was signed. We were, we're, I, you know, you were probably less against it than I was, but you were still overall against it. I was pretty into um, him when, when Igor was the coach just because of that yeah, synergy. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, he definitely dropped off my radar because I was very surprised. I, I really didn't think he would sign with a team that did that mm-hmm. to a coach that I guess he is so close with, but uh, money, money talks. I guess money is what matters in this <laughs> league, David. But uh, I, I think there are some reasons why it makes more sense in this context though, because we, you know, when we were sort of against it, it was before free agency, the draft had just happened. We hadn't totally, you know, sunk in to us like mm-hmm. what that was. And I think the way they built this team makes a lot of sense for him. Like they needed that guy to be the guy who's going to run this, you know, uh, new improved uh, offense. Yeah. Uh, the shooting around him. Like, so one of the reasons why we didn't like him, or at least one of the big reasons I didn't like him as much is because he couldn't shoot. He can't shoot. He, you know, he had one decent shooting year with Utah, I think, last season. Yep. Otherwise, he just, just can't shoot. And I, you know, I care so much about that with Booker and on this team in general because I think that was one of their biggest problems last year is the inability to shoot. Yep. Um, but everything else they did it was so geared towards shooting that I think it makes some sense that you can get away with him not being able to shoot because the rest of your team is hopefully going to be able to shoot. So I think that's a big part of it. And the other thing, too, that's gotten me in on Rubio is I watched a little bit of that uh, Spain-USA tune-up game. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. I, I just, just watching him play and being like, that guy's going to be the point guard on, our, on the Suns next year? Like, it's just He's just so much better than anybody we've had since Goran Dragic, I would say. I, I think he's better than uh, Goran Dragic. Sorry, bad reviewers. <laughs> uh, I think he's better than Eric Bledsoe. I really do. I think Eric Bledsoe uh, is, a, is probably a higher upside player. Um, but Rubio's a better point guard. I don't think he's even close, right? Yeah, I think it's great that you mentioned both of those guys because uh, we're going to segue into to something here that mentions both of those guys. So again, uh, without us being on the same page before this pod, we're, we're back on the same page uh, when, when we get into it. But before I do, I just wanted to, yeah, I guess the biggest questions, you know, on it being a real 10 out of 10 signings, can he shoot, you know, above mm. even 40%? You know, you look at his career numbers, in Minnesota and Utah, and he's kind of hovered around that mark. And, you know, if he could shoot 33 to 35% on threes, like a, a low volume, just, you know, be a, at least a threat wide open, that's going to, you know, mm-hmm. mean massive things for the Suns' offense. And, you know, I really wanted to tap into, you know, we obviously need that point of attack defender out of our point guard. And, you know, I want him to hopefully get back to that high level. And then probably the third you know, unanswered question right now and something we harped on about, you know, at length all last season is, can he lead? Can he be a leader for this team? You know, this team is crying out for a leader. I think, you know, even as the biggest Igor diehard, it's very easy for me to say that Monty is going to be, you know, a better rally the troops type leader than Igor was last year. So they've already made an upgrade there. And then, you know, as they always talk about, I think Monty already did. Can he be an extension of the coach on the floor and lead this team. If those three questions or two of the three kind of come in a positive way and come to fruition for the Suns, I think, you know, we can look back on it just as positive here, Max. 
So yeah, I think it's interesting you brought that up. I think it's I think he is going to be the leader, but not in the traditional way. Like Monty obviously will be uh, sort of like the father figure on the team, basically. Yep. I think Devin Booker is going to be the leader, but Devin Booker needs someone experienced to kind of be like his, his Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. He needs that guy to like be over his shoulder, like, "Hey, Devin, you know, don't react this way to that. You know, you know, chill out about or whatever. You know, whatever he needs to be told." Devin Booker is going to develop into the leader of this team, but Devin Booker is also 22 years old. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> 22 year olds really aren't leaders unless you're Alexander the Great. <laughs> so, I, I don't expect Devin Booker to be that. So, I, I think Ricky Rubio's presence is going to be really important for them. And I, you also got a little bit in, into the defense. I think the, the fact that Ricky Rubio creates defensive plays, he had five steals in that tune up game against the USA team. Yeah. Uh, that's a facet to the team that we haven't had since, I don't know, when last, I guess Melton had it a little bit, but not to that extent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with him and, and Bridges and, you know, even Kelly, who's not the greatest team defender, but one-on-one can get into guys. You know, I think about that early Wizards game where he gave Bill absolute fits and, and then that play got overturned on replay that probably would have mm-hmm. would have won them the game. I think there's some, yeah, there's some gambly type defenders on this team now, which is, you know, going to mean that they can play aggressively on that end for, for once in a long, long time. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But a question from... Uh, a follower on Twitter, Hizzy underscore 19, is predicting uh, that he'll play around 31, 32 minutes per game and touch around his kind of career highs. And, and he's saying 12.5 points, 9.5 assists, which is very high. Wow. Uh, his career best in minutes are 34, points are 13.1, and assists is 9.1 max. What's your over-under on those three stats? Um, I think the points is basically dead on. I think... I, I like the uh, idea behind the assist set. I think it's a little high. Yeah. Um, but I do think he's going to be much... He'll have gaudier numbers than he had in Utah. He's just going to be used differently, I think. I think he's going to have the opportunity to put up stats that he didn't have in Utah. And if you look at his numbers, just kind of across the board, uh, from when he went to Minnesota to Utah, they, they, they went down in a lot of ways. And I'm not sure that's because of him as a player. I mean, he's not that old of a guy. I think it's more of the role they put him in. Yeah, there's definitely... And we'll get onto that again in... Uh, a couple of segments time, but you know, th- there's some stuff there that they did with Ricky, particularly last season that makes it really hard to, I guess, translate it over to the Phoenix Suns. Cause I think they're going to mm-hmm. be playing uh, a little bit differently. And, and as we've talked about many, many times before Donovan Mitchell is a different player to Devin Booker, even though they play the same position max, but you yep. mentioned Bledsoe and Dragic before. Is it fair to say at his peak, in Phoenix, Bledsoe was maybe a top 8, 10 point guard in the league. What do you think on that? It's such an interesting question. So I am, I would admit going into this response that I am a Bledsoe kind of, I, I want to go as far as a hater, but I've never been a big fan of his game. Yeah. Uh, I was excited about him early on when, it, you know, when we traded for him and he was, you know, so young. Um, but as he stayed around, I just, he's just not a point guard, David. He's mm-hmm. a combo guard, mm-hmm. um, and and that's just kind of the difference for me between uh, between Bledsoe and and Rubio. Rubio, when Rubio's on the court, his entire goal is to get all of his teammates the ball like where they want it. He's a, he's a total table setter. Yeah. And Eric Bledsoe isn't that. Eric Bledsoe gets his own offense, and he can be pretty good. At I mean, he had a near All Star year in Milwaukee last year. Yep. Uh, yeah, until the playoffs hit, and he was a fucking train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, so I think, and a lot of, Bledsoe might is probably better than Ricky Rubio. But I think for this particular team, there's no question I'd rather have Ricky Rubio. Yep. And you know, Goran obviously had those that All NBA honor season, oh, yes, yeah. uh, which you know, I guess with that award at his peak. 
in Phoenix, you could say he was a top three, maybe top five point guard in the NBA, depending on oh, who. It, it was a one-season thing, but he was incredible that yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's been embarrassing ever since those two guys, and, and even with Bledsoe, as you mentioned. So I thought we'd look at where Rubio might rank this season, again, touching off that rose-colored glasses here to being, sure. bring a, a little bit of perspective. Are you up for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, oh, so- wait, 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 hold on. One thing I want to mention before you do, we should also mention Isaiah Thomas in that point guard thing because he was actually really good for the Suns. Not as good as he was with the Celtics the year after, but quite good for us. He was. I kind of have nightmares every time I look back at that that combination <laughs> that they put together and the, the deals that they made. IT obviously was not making himself very loved in the locker room for them to no. throw him away like that because, yeah, he was starting to play really well and the, the whole thing was starting to go really well, but... Uh, they weren't all happy with it, unfortunately. But nope. I've done my rank, which, you know, I'll hold off my rank on Rubio till the end and we'll go through the exercise with you. But I wanted you to guess before we get into the exercise what you where you think Rubio's going to place. So I'll give you the goalposts. I've taken all 29 starters and I've thrown a couple others in there that I would say are point guards but are essentially playing with other point guards uh, in the backcourt for their team. Okay. So we're, we're looking at a, a rough field here of around 30, 31 players. So where do you think Rubio is going to rank amongst those guys at point guard? Man, oh man. Um, I, I think I'd probably say he'll be around 20, low 20s. All righty. That's interesting. Let's, let's get into it. So for group okay. one is the... Non-starters, so guys not starting at point guard, but I'm still throwing into the conversation. So we've got D'Angelo Russell, Russell Westbrook, Lonzo Ball, and SGA. Are you taking Rubio over any of those guys? Are we talking just this season? Yes, or are we talking so about I should have said guard? that as well. We're literally looking at season 19-20 at point guard. Forget salary, forget upside. Just the the role of point guard in the season of 2019-20, Max. I would take him over SGA for the Suns. Yep. Uh, just for this season. I think I would... Oh, man. D'Lo's so hard. Because <laughs> D'Lo is just the ultimate risk-reward, right? It could be awesome or it could be terrible. Mm-hmm. I think for this particular team, I'd go with Rubio over D'Lo just because I think they need that steady presence to, to improve. Okay. Um, Westbrook's obviously better than uh, Rubio, so I'd go Westbrook. I mean, who was the fourth one again? Uh, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Just for this season, I would go with Rubio also, yep. All right, so I'm only circling Russell Westbrook for that group, I believe, off your answers there, Max. Yep. Uh, group two, the stars. We've got Kyrie, Kemba, Curry, and Lillard. I'm guessing you're yep. taking all four of those guys. Uh, probably not Damian Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. All, all those guys. <laughs> all right. Group three. I'm calling these guys the non-point guards, uh, but generally play point guard or lead ball handler for their team. We've got Luca, Murray, Harden, and Ben Simmons. I would take all of those guys over Rubio. And I agree with you. Then we get to the below average. I'd be very interested if you would take any of these guys over Ricky Rubio. There's quite a few, so bear with me. Ish Smith. Okay. DeJounte Murray, DJ Augustine, Dennis Smith, Ja Morant, Rondo, Reggie Jackson, Colin Sexton, Tomas Sanaransky, and Terry Rozier. Um, I would I think I would take the gamble on DeJounte Murray. I really like that guy. Ooh. I think he's gonna be really, really good. I, the Spurs, who aren't known as like one of those, you know, loquacious uh, organizations, they're usually pretty tight lipped on things. Yep. Um, they were just 
unreal raving about him before he got hurt last season. I think he might be really, really good. Um, and there was one more guy in there that I that I really liked. Who was like, oh, Sadoransky. I don't know. That one's really interesting. If we're not considering contracts, I think I'd rather have Rubio just because it's... And I know this sounds uh, maybe uh, hypocritical because I think I, I would want Sadoransky more before. But for this particular team, the more I think about it, they needed a like a four general. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Sadoransky maybe gets lost a little bit in, in the crud if it becomes cruddy again. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, so that is just DeJounte I'm circling there for that group then, Max. Yep, uh, yep. Group five, I'm calling these guys the tier above, but there's a couple that I haven't even taken over Rubio in the end, so I'll let you decide. We've got, we'll go one by one on these. So Trey Young. Okay. Yes, I take him, yes. Drew Holiday. Yep. Chris Paul. Yes, I would. It's, I was a little tough because the injury stuff, but still, it's Chris Paul. Uh, De'Aaron Fox. Yes. Kyle Lowry. Ooh. I, again, the injury stuff. I'm worried about him next season, but I'd still take him. He's a better player, so I'll take him. Mike Conley. Yes. All right. That is that group, and I've circled all six of those names. And then... Who did you... Oh, I, I'm curious. Who did you go back and forth on with that one? So you stalled on Kyle... And I yeah. stalled and decided to take Ricky instead because I'm just worried that... And uh, you mentioned our fantasy league earlier in the episode. I actually took Kyle Lowry in our fantasy league quite high. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, yeah, I'm pretty... I think he's going to really struggle. I don't think people realize how old Kyle Lowry is. And he's was he's you know, quite old. propped up by uh, Kawhi Leonard last year, I think. And then mm-hmm. I know people are probably going to kill me for this, and, and you probably will too, but I really stalled on Trey Young just as next season only point guard. I think he's going to get targeted a hell of a lot more uh, on defense. Um, yeah, I get it, especially with Booker. I mean, that there's a train wreck potential there for big time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I want to get it out. I love Trey Young. I wish, you know, I, I probably should have had him higher in my mock draft. I think he's incredible back half of his rookie season bodes well really for him in the future in the NBA. To me, that's kind of like the D'Lo thing, but just even higher upside. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I went. Um, so yeah, a little bit more rose-colored glasses than you, perhaps. But group six here is what I'm calling the the really hard cases. So we'll go one okay. by one again. Brogdon. Uh, I'd take Brogdon. Beverly. I would take Beverly, but it, it, it's 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 getting to the point now for me where I've talked myself. I, I've become so rosy colored, David. That it's like a, it's a question for me now. And before the signing, it wouldn't have been. So that I guess that tells you either I'm a homer or that I've uh, or or we've come up with some good reasons for him. I don't know. Uh, Goran. Uh, I would take Rubio over Goran. Eric Bledsoe. Oh yeah, easily Rubio. <laughs> and Jeff Teague. Rubio. Yep. All right. So. Let me go through this very quickly. We've got Westbrook, Kyrie, Kemba, Curry, Lillard, Simmons, Harden, Murray, Luca, DeJounte, mm. Young, Holiday, Paul, Fox, Lowry, Conley, Beverly, and Brogdon. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You were off by one, Max. Wow. But but in the right direction. Exactly. He's better than I thought. Exactly. And also, I also I went a little aggressive with the DeJounte Murray thing. <laughs> so <laughs> he could have been even he could have been one higher too. Yep. So I had him 16 overall. Okay. Uh, and then that, because of the extra ones I threw in there, that puts him as the 14th best starter, or in your case, I believe the 17th best starting NBA point guard 
in the league next year. And if you take all those non-traditional guys out and they're literally just going pure table setter type point guards, I mm-hmm. think you get to about 10th for me and, and probably 12th or 13th in the league for you, which to a general NBA fan listening and us being excited about that, they would probably laugh, Max, but I'm sure all the Suns fans listening who realize we literally haven't even had an NBA point guard on our roster the last two seasons, it's going to be a massive upgrade even to have a league average point guard running this team next year, Max. Yeah, well, David, if we had done this exercise last season, where do you think Isaiah Cannon would have ranked on this? <laughs> I think I take everybody over him, so I I say that's an upgrade. I, I would discount him on the fact that he's not a point guard, Max. Yeah, he really isn't. He's a pointless guard. <laughs> but we should talk uh, about that that table setting stuff because it's come up quite sure. a little bit, Max. So I think we should jump into that. Maybe you could take us off the top here with your thoughts on on that because you touched on it a little bit before, but uh, maybe go a little bit more on that. Well, you know, here's what I'll focus on, because I was looking up, we're going to talk about Tyler Johnson later, Mm -hmm. and I was looking up his stats with the Suns, and honestly, if you look at him, they weren't good, David. He was pretty uh, bad statistically with Phoenix, but just his presence steadied them so much. Just just thinking about having Rubio, who is a better player than Tyler Johnson, and an actual point guard, unlike Tyler Johnson, Mm -hmm. in that lineup with Booker and those guys, it's just going to be an entirely different thing. We're going to be watching... Uh, a brand of offensive basketball that we literally haven't seen in years, I think, David. Like, it's it's going to be that drastic of a change. And I think that's a big reason why you're seeing some of the uh, statistical projections. I think ESPN and others have them in the high 30s of wins. Yep. Um, it's because it, it's not so much that Ricky Rubio is this superstar player. It's that the, the difference between him and where the Suns were at is sort of the same difference you get when you go from a normal player to a star. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same gap they're making up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, one thing we can be pretty certain on is his ability to run a team and to pass the ball in the NBA. He's shown that yes. literally since he started with Minnesota in his rookie season. And, you know, I went a little more recent. I looked at Rubio on the Jazz last season and, and what his passing kind of did to the numbers of that core group that were with him in Utah last year. Interestingly, he didn't help Mitchell or Gobert quite as much as I expected. In fact, it was mm-hmm. really the other way. And yeah, you know, that's, you know, concerns with the data and stuff as well. So let's not get too bogged down in this. But, you know, Gobert shot 66.9 from the field last year and was only 53% on Rubio passes. And Mitchell hmm. was 43 from the field, 36 from three. And from Rubio, he was 39 from the field and slightly under 35 from three on Rubio passes as well. Obviously, you know, Gobert's not the same pick and roll threat as someone like Ayton, so we can't look into that too much. But I did look at Cats last season uh, with Rubio as well, and, and those numbers weren't great too, comparing his kind of overall field goal to, to when he was getting passes from, from Ricky. And, you know, we touched on it before, the Mitchell-Rubio combo wasn't great either either so you know can he be better with booker that's going to be one of the questions that we're we're waiting to see um but he really helped shooters on the other end so ingles 39 from three last year he was 44 percent when ricky rubio was passing him the ball and crowder shot 33 percent last year with utah and he shot 43 percent with Hmm. ricky rubio passing him the ball so 
that's the really interesting thing for me here is Ricky seemed to help all the shoot the, the big shooters, you know, the guys shooting over one a game off Ricky Rubio passes. Uh, but Mitchell and Gobert, it wasn't great, which I guess no surprise that they finally decided yeah. to, to move on from Ricky. But, you know, when we've got Aiton and Booker play the same position as those guys, not the same players with either of them, but it is worth noting, I think, Max. Yeah, it absolutely is. And even though I guess the percentages aren't changing that much, uh, Ricky Rubio has always been a great on-off guy. Yeah. Um, the last couple of seasons, it hasn't been as stark in Utah. He was, you know, only in a, a plus one sort of area. Mm-hmm. But uh, in Minnesota, and I haven't said percentile yet. Chris Coffey will be disappointed, so I'm going to start saying percentile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was uh, so after his rookie, and then and then his sophomore year, so his third year in the league on. 98th, 94th, 96th, 80th percentile in terms of differential on off in the league as yeah. a point guard. Yeah. Uh, the team is 12 points better with him on the floor most of the season, which is ridiculous. I mean, he was a really underrated player for a very long time in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the thing about him was he uh, he was very flashy coming to the league. People thought he was going to be like the next Steve Nash. Yes. I think he was compared to Steve Nash quite a bit. Yeah. And he just, he's just not a flashy player. And I think people just kind of forgot about him to an extent because he's just not that... He's not that fun to watch mm-hmm. compared to, you know, some of the flasher guys in the NBA. But I think that his steadiness has been something that's been underrated for a very long time. And it's basically the number one thing the Phoenix Suns needed. Yeah, it, it won't be underrated next year if he brings no, that again. No. We're all going to be raving about it and people are going to probably think we're going over the top. But again, when you haven't seen a point guard like that in a Suns uniform for some time, it, it's going to be rave worthy for us. And Digging into David, this just came to me real quick. This just came to me real quick. Uh, we talk about can Devin Booker make the All Star game, all that stuff. Can Ricky Rubio be the most improved player in the league next year? Ooh, I you know I have a fascination with the awards and uh, yes. have my rules for for how they generally uh, get given. And uh, most improved is still a points uh, award as yeah, most generally. of them are, so that might hold him back, uh, particularly because his raw numbers probably won't look that different, but. Will people start to take notice of the Phoenix Suns if they jump to, you know, some of these projections, 35 wins from 19 or something like that, and kind of go, yep. well, who changed the team? And obviously people are going to see that Booker and Aiton were hopefully better uh, in that. But, you know, who, who came in and, and made them better? Maybe the narrative, which does play into these awards a little bit, might help someone like Ricky Rubio. He'd be one of the older winners of that award i think uh i'm going off the top of my head here but i do know most of the last decade for that award but i think hito turgaglu was one that was quite old when he won it uh and maybe ryan anderson off the top of my head but i'm googling it right now ryan anderson won it in 2011 12 which i think he was still kind of well how old was he back then (laughs) (laughs) well he's like 48 now so he's probably like 40 max (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i'm looking at the list now guys you're right it's, it's generally younger guys who win this award yeah um did you realize steve nash didn't win it i guess because they gave him the mvp but like he probably should have won this too he should have i remember people talking about that with Giannis at some point you know that he should yeah, probably yeah. win you know mvp defensive player of the year and most improved all in one but uh yeah i don't think we'll ever see a, a an mvp uh, MIP double, Max. I'd be surprised, yeah. They generally <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was really focused on Booker and Aiton here because, you know, you and I have talked about this offseason being all about those two guys. You mentioned it before. They brought in all the shooting. Uh, this signing in particular, I think, was all about them. And a couple of interesting things I found. 
Aiton had 23% of his possessions came from Booker last year, and he shot 56% on those. The next hmm. best in the team was 9.8% from Mikhail. So, wow. like, the, the offense is going to be a hell of a lot more diverse with Ricky Rubio mm-hmm. at point guard. And it's going to help Aiton a hell of a lot, I think, because it's going to be far less predictable. He's going to get his, you know, touches from more players on, this, on the Suns' court. And, you know, Booker's top four pass frequency last season were all non-point guards. So these are guys giving yep. Booker the ball. Aiton was first. Mikhail was second. TJ Warren was third. And Dragon Bender was fourth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's before I believe you get to Melton at five. So again, wow. that was how Booker got the ball on this team last season, uh, and and took shots off passes, I should say. So all of a sudden, Ricky Rubio, you would think, is going to be at the top of that list, if not at least in the top three, Max. I think the key point we're both getting at here, and we're throwing all these stats out. What we're really talking about here is that Ricky Rubio is probably going to have a greater impact on this team than than his his you know his in a vacuum talent as a player. Yes, Does that makes sense. Agreed. Totally he's just, agree. just going to be somewhat revolutionary for this team. I think I, I, that word's strong, but I think it's going to be a whole different thing. And I and I can't wait to see it. And I, maybe I'm being a homer talking myself into it, but man, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think it's going to be the, the funnest thing for, for the start of this season to watch is, is his effect on the team. But I guess while we're in the starting point guard conversation here, do we want to talk a little bit about Devin Booker at point guard, Max? Yeah, let's quickly do it. We don't have to focus on this too much because we went really long on Rubio and we've talked about this a lot also. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we're not, we're not going to see him as a starter unless Rubio gets hurt. So that, that's kind of the question I wanted to ask like, Say Rubio, who is you know not exactly a picture of health, goes down for a couple months or something like that. Like, what does this rotation look like? Are they, you think it's probably gonna be Tyler and Devin, I guess. But then, and then what? Yeah, I think that's where you're hoping for. You know, a couple of guys we're gonna talk about after. Did you know? Have hopefully stepped up and earned minutes. You know, maybe Ty Jerome mm-hmm. can step into playing backup point guard. But yeah, in that uh, hopefully unnecessary scenario I think Tyler slots in and we see that that old lineup that we saw last season but you know I think last year it meant no Tyler uh JC Crawford Okobo Melton or Kanan (laughs) when Booker was starting at point guard which was nice you know this year it's Rubio as you say Tyler Johnson and Ty Jerome so they're the, the options at point guard a hell of a lot better and I think we'll only see it to end games if everyone's healthy and you know we've discussed this a a, a fair bit as you say but you know they could go all shooting with you know Frank, Saric, Bridges, Cam Johnson even or all defense Mm -hmm. around Booker and I just love that they've got those options but he only started four games last season at point guard Uh, played 72 minutes with Aiton, Ariza, Bridges and Warren, and, and they were a positive in that lineup. So I think it does work, yeah. and it is something that you have to look at, even though you've got someone like Ricky Rubio. I think you're going to have to have the balls, so to speak, sometimes to say, all right, Ricky, um, you know, we're, we're switching you off on an offensive possession to end this because Booker's really fucking good at point yes. guard in the clutch, and they've actually got pieces to put around him now as that lead ball handler. So they should definitely look at it. And I guess I'll throw it to you out renting on Twitter through this question our way. How much can we expect it this season? So I guess, you know, you don't have to go minutes or games or anything here, Max, but is it really just going to be, you know, 30 seconds in every third game where they, they need a possession to win it? 
No, I think he'll be playing... Well, so, I mean, are, are we talking about he's the only point guard on the floor or he's playing point guard? Because I think even when Rubio's on the floor closing games, Devin Booker's going to have the ball in his hands, right? Yeah, that's, so, like, that's a fair point. He, He's kind of going to be de facto playing point guard. Yeah. But in terms of like him being the sole, like he is the point guard on the floor at the time, yeah. we'll see it a little bit, I think. I don't think we're going to see it a ton, though. I don't think they want to put that load on him. Uh, I understand why. I mean, he's been breaking down a lot. Again, I've been, I'm probably the captain of the Devin Booker injury is overrated thing. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, you still, you're still you better off giving him a lesser load if you can. And, uh, and one last point I want to make on this, too, on the Devin Booker point guard thing. And I, I've, I've said this before, but... I think it's so odd the standard by which he's judged um, as a point guard. Like even Suns fans kind of hate on it because he commits turnovers. You know, he's not the best passer in the world. He actually has better vision than he has passing execution. I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't understand. He's 22 years old. I feel like I've said this before. If, if if he was drafted as a point guard, we would not be so against Devin Booker point guard. Like he would be a very promising young point guard. I, it's kind of odd to me, David. Do you, do you have any idea why? why it is that he's judged by such a harsh standard. Now, to be honest, you're the first person that made me think about this, and I think your point makes a hell of a lot of sense, is that if we were looking at him, if he was drafted as a point guard and had this kind of learning curve that he's gone on that's so steep and, you know, he, mm -hmm. you know, bided his time and, and sat on the bench to start and then opportunities came up and he was starting to play point guard for the Suns and these were the stats that he was putting up. I think the narrative around it, even with general NBA fans, would be a hell of a lot better. Everyone would be saying, oh my God, you know, can't believe this rookie point guard who's came in. Look at this crappy team that they've given him and look at the stats that he's still putting up. And it, as simple as it sounds, it, it can just be that small shift from the position that he plays of how the narrative changes on him with that. And yeah. I, I honestly, I don't understand it. As I said, you were the first person that made me think about it this way. And I still haven't got to a point where I really understand why that is to be perfectly honest, Max. I, I It's just gotta be an anchoring bias, right? I, it's gotta be what it is that when he came to the league, he was uh, described as this one certain kind of player and everyone just kind of expects that yep. happens all over the place. It's all sorts of players. And this is just, one example of it. But, uh, David, unless you have anything else on Booker, how about uh, Did You Know? I'm ready to go, Max. So, with right. us up to episode 60 here, my first thought was to use the number 60 and tie it to point guard for Did You Know this week. But while Booker's 70-point game in Boston, the Suns' high score in a game before that was, in fact, 60. But it wasn't by a point guard, but instead by who, Max? Tom Chambers, right? Yep, who was not a point guard and has had his time in the sun for Did You Know in a very early episode of ours. You can go back and find that if you haven't heard that one before, listeners. So instead, Max, after just talking about Ricky, we're going to spend the rest of the segment looking at an idea that listener Ty Moroda threw my way, and I probably just butchered his name, so sorry, sorry Ty. Uh, <laughs> where are they now for all the point guards between Eric Bledsoe and Ricky Rubio? Max... Did you know Isaiah Kanan signed on this week to play in China with the Shandong Golden Stars in the CBA League? I, no, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, Kanan was the first signing after Eric Bledsoe was traded on November 7 to Milwaukee and joined the team on December 13, 2017. But next up was Josh Gray, who signed February 2, 2018 with the Suns. 
and actually played in summer league in Vegas for the Nets this year, which I didn't realize until Googling his name. And on July 25, Max, he signed a two-way with the Pelicans where he could earn up hmm. to $500,000 this season if he plays in wow. the NBA. Then Alfred Payton, who we traded for just after signing Gray. He, of course, signed with the Knicks this offseason and is set to earn $8 million in New York this season. Shaq Harrison signed a few times with the Suns, but the first time was Feb 21, 2018. He's currently on a non-guarantee of $1.6 million with the Chicago Bulls. Elliot Kobo mm. drafted June 21, 2018, currently playing for the French team in the lead-up to the World Cup. And at least for now, still a Phoenix Sun for $1.4 million next season, Max. Did Akobo make the team, David? Uh, I'm not sure they've made their last cut yet, but he apparently has been playing very poorly. So uh, <laughs> not looking good for Ali. Uh, not surprising. Friend of the pod, DeAnthony Melton. I guess we can call him that, right, Max? We can, yeah. <laughs> traded in on August 31, 2018 and traded out on July 7, 2019 making $1.4 million with the Grizz next season. Uh, poor old Brandon Knight traded away on August 31, 2018, and still making $15.6 million this year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm. And that concludes Ryan McDonough's era of point guards <laughs> after Eric Bledsoe. Great work, Ryan. So we move on to James Jones's PG transactions since Bledsoe was moved. Jamal Crawford. Last signed with Phoenix on October 16, 2018, but as of right now is unemployed and was last seen doing pro-ams in Seattle. Juwan Evans claimed off waivers by OKC when we waived him, mm. and like Gray before, could make up to 500000 with the Thunder on that deal if he hangs around this season, Max. Now, an almost son and his buddy Marshawn Brooks is currently in China with Guangdong Southern Tigers and Wayne Selden, who I'm not sure if you remember was supposed to be in that deal coming to the Suns as well. Yeah, He uh, mm -hmm. almost came in that deal, as we said, and just signed in the CBA as well with Shandong Heroes. Austin Rivers was kind of a Phoenix Sun, Max, and he's back <laughs> with the Rockets at $2.1 is his deal next year. Jimmer Fredette signed March 22, 2019 and was last seen copying abuse on Twitter from Suns fans who hated his time in Phoenix, Max. But seriously, he's wound up with Panathinaikos in Greece, I believe. Oh, okay. Which then only leaves the current Suns left, Max, before our main man, Ricard Rubio, joined. Tyler Johnson brought in via trade, making 19 mil next season. Everyone's made a big deal of that. Jalen LeCue for under a million, Ty Jerome for just over two million, and Javon Carter, who makes somewhere in between those two. Now, I can't let you off the hook that easily. We've hardly put you on the spot this episode. <laughs> so a few quizzes to end the segment. Between right. McDonough trading for Bledsoe and then trading him away, there are a number of other point guards that came through, Max. This isn't all of them, but for the ones I mention... I want you to tell me where they are now. Ish Smith. Okay. Oh, he just signed with Washington, right? He did. He's with the Wizards and fighting with another ex-son who's about to be mentioned for the starting gig. He's making 8 mil next season, so good on you, Ish. Kendall Marshall, Max. Oh, God. Is he, he's not in the league, is he? I don't think he's playing basketball anymore. He went back to graduate <laughs> at UNC and actually became a student assistant coach with the Tar Heels 
basketball team in 1819. So that is where Kendall Marshall is. Was there a more deflating draft pick at the moment it happened in that one? Like, I just, <laughs> you just knew he was bad. It was obvious right away. <laughs> yep. Uh, the OG Tyler before Johnson and Jerome. What happened to Tyler Ennis, Max? Oh my God. Um, I have no idea. He was drafted in 2014. He broke his leg badly last season with Fenerbahce mm. in Europe. So uh, YouTube mm. that video if you dare, listeners. I would not recommend it. No, thank you. Uh, Isaiah Thomas? Uh, he just signed somewhere, didn't he? I can't remember where, though. He's the other guy in Washington fighting Ish ah, Smith okay. to start, right. and he's making the minimum next season. One that got away for Phoenix, your guy, Seth Curry, Max. Where did he end up? Mm-hmm. He went to Dallas. Yep, 7 mil next season. What about Ronnie Price? <laughs> oh, man. Scott Howard used to be the funniest person at Ronnie Price, but uh, I-, I have no idea. He signed what feels like a million times for the Suns during this whole period. Yes. Uh, yes. And believe it or not, he is now a Phoenix Suns scout, Max. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit, David. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Mike James. Oh, man. Um, I know he went back to Europe, I, th- I think, at some point. I don't know if he's still there or not. He's back in Europe making highlight reels again with CSKA Moscow. But, Max, mm, okay. the reason I mentioned the current NBA players' salaries throughout this is because in doing the numbers, I found some pretty quirky things. Uh, mm-hmm. In the first section, we had Bledsoe, Payton, Shaq, Melton, Knight, Rivers, Gray, and Evan as the non-sons still in the NBA. Versus Okobo, Tyler, Jerome, Carter, LeCue, and Rubio as the current Suns still in the NBA. Quick question for you. Which group is making more in 2019-20? I would guess the current Suns? The non-Suns, just. Wow. A shade under $45 to the Suns who are a tick over $41 next year. Now, what was really quirky, if we add the players still in the NBA from the second group, so Ish Smith, IT, and Seth Curry, we get a combined salary for them in 1920 of just over 15 million. And what's a shade under 45 million plus a bit over 15 million, Max? Seems to be about 60 million. 60 million for our 60th episode. So the ex Suns <laughs> point guards next year are making $60 million. Oh and finally, Max, one more on number 60. Before we move on to talking about Tyler Johnson, who is perhaps more shooting guard than point guard, I said at the top I wanted to tie 60 and point guard together. Before I went down that salary math rabbit hole, I found a cheeky link. So Booker scored 70, as I mentioned earlier at Boston to take the previous record from Tom Chambers at 60. Which ex-Suns guard, who like Tyler Johnson is more shooting guard than point guard, had his own ties to Boston and Ryan McDonough, and he turned 60 years of age earlier this season? Uh, uh, Eddie Johnson? No, it is, of course, Danny Ainge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) He has his eyes of Boston, yes. Shall we move on to Tyler and some of the younger guys now, Max? I have a buddy who I say to him, because he's, he's really good at like noticing when people have haircuts, and I think it's like his X-Man superpower, <laughs> and it's the most worthless superpower you could possibly have, and uh, I, I feel like your X-Man superpower is making these absurd connections. <laughs> it really is. It definitely is. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Tyler. So Tyler Johnson is sort of, I guess I would describe him as the de facto backup point guard for the Suns, yep. even though he's not really a point guard. Um, I'll go ahead and just kind of give you my thought on him, and then see what you think. A lot for me comes down to his shooting. 
Right, it happens for a lot of players. I think him in particular. Yep. Uh, he got paid so much money a few years ago because he shot the lights out one year, uh, and since then he just hasn't he hasn't done that. In fact, he's gotten kind of progressively worse as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a small sample size in Phoenix, but he was quite bad uh, as a shooter. I think that's really going to have to change if he's going to be uh, as successful as like a backup point guard uh, for the Phoenix Suns yeah. this year. Uh, it doesn't have, he doesn't have to be a lights out shooter, but he needs to be better than low thirties. He needs to be in the high thirties. I think would be would be would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I noticed with him that I thought was the most interesting thing is, this, although Phoenix didn't get much better with him on the floor, they stopped committing turnovers. He was I think in the ninety eighth percentile in terms of point guards off on off and turnover percentage going down. Yeah, I remember. Talking I thought that was about, really interesting. I remember talking about that through the you know twelve or thirteen games that he played. Uh, you know, he was getting up to, you know, I think he maybe got up to 40 assists and, and 12 turnovers or something like that off the top of my head, Max. Yep. And, and this is not just his turnovers, too. This is the whole team, yeah. which yeah. is when he's on the floor. Yeah. And I think that is indicative of what he is, right? He's, a, he's again, stability. He's similar to Rubio in a lot of ways. Not a lot of flash to him, mm-hmm. but he's just going to be somebody that when he's on the floor, he he's an adult. He's going to settle things down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I very much agree. I, I think I'm kind of the the pilot of the, the Tyler Suns uh, bandwagon, Tyler Johnson yep. bandwagon, I should say. So no doubt I'm kind of rooting for him to, to do well next season. But I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Opinions seem to kind of wildly differ on him. And that's because if you look at his raw numbers, particularly with the Suns last year, um, you know, he, he wasn't very good, Max. But if mm. you watched those 12 games, I think you saw a different unit or, or a different team than what we were watching the the 12 or you know even 40 games before that so you know yeah. I think it's important to remember you know where he came from you know from Miami a, a good uh, or great team in terms of development and, and culture yeah. and he was also undrafted so you know I, I kind of wanted to think about you know what he can do for the team next year off that and I kind of came to two points so you know we already talked about what a great mentor he was last year while it was happening. And, you know, we have a lot of high picks on this team, some of which have already Mm -hmm. come and went. And, you know, I think Tyler, with his path to the NBA being quite rough, I think he is, you know, an understated leader and can lead with, Mm -hmm. you know, by example, not a a rah-rah leader like a Patrick Beverly or something like that. But I think he's definitely one of those guys that brings, you know, intangibles to that side of things. And I think that's going to be a positive. You know, there's... Still not that many vets on this team. They've, they've definitely gotten better than what it was last year and, and what McDonough used to do with this team. I think James Jones has put a bit of a premium on that, but I think he can still yeah. be part of that. And then, you know, I went back and looked at that best season. So you mentioned he, you know, shot the lights out and got himself paid. I forgot, Max, he'd only played 68 games in the NBA before that Brooklyn offer came, which is just wild. Yeah, I noticed that looking at his stats today, and the, all I could think looking at that is like, what the hell? Why did that? Why did Brooklyn make that offer? To the point did Miami match it? <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, the the thirty or so that he played in the the season just prior to the offer, he was really really good. But it was a total yeah. stab in the dark. So you know, I looked at the sixteen seventeen season, which is the the season directly after he got paid, and he played seventy three games all off the bench, and that's essentially what we're hoping he does for the Suns next year is kind of the first guard off the bench that plays consistent minutes and games. And Miami went Mm -hmm. 41 and 41 that season. 
and Tyler was in the second and third most used five-man lineup. So, you know, 40 and 41 would be a pretty, you know, lofty goal for this Suns team yeah. to get towards. So that, again, is is worth touching on with Tyler. He's not amazing, but if you just want to have a competitive, good team, he is a guard that can play in that rotation. And then, you know, he was injured a lot, starved of opportunity, and that's how he ended up in Phoenix, I think. And, you know, it is a little bit of a stretch to kind of go, can in three years later in 1920, can he get back to that 16, 17 form? But, you know, looking at those two lineups that he was in, he played shooting guard in one and point guard in the other. And that's where I really love the fit uh, of him being a combo for both of those roles next year. And I just think that it's a great role for him that the shooting guard uh, role was with Goran, Allington, uh, James Johnson himself and Willie Reed. And then the point guard role, he was playing with Allington, uh, Josh Richardson, James Johnson and Reed again. So I think the point there is if you're going to have him at shooting guard or pointing or point guard, sorry, you need him with multiple passes. And I think, yeah. you know, they've got Dario, they've got Mikhail, Mikhail, they've got Devon, obviously, and Aiton should also start to flash a little bit more passing out of the post next season as well. So, you know, it, as long as he's not being asked to do mu- too much, I think he can be a really good quality NBA guard. I totally agree. And the other guy you didn't mention there, who I think is going to be, I think these two are going to be basically attached to the hip because Tyler is going to be kind of his mentor in a lot of ways, Ty Jerome. Yes. I think in a lot of ways, Ty Jerome, what we're hoping is that he kind of you know, takes on a lot of what Tyler Johnson is. Because, um, you know, one thing I was so excited about, I thought we were going to take Brandon Clark, obviously, when we did the trade with Dario Saric. Yep. I was like, it was perfect because Dario Saric was going to start for a year. And Brandon Clark's behind him and then eventually, you know, kind of supplant him. Yep. Uh, we still have that, I think, as the, in our backup point guard position. I think that's kind of what the idea is going to be here with, with Tyler Johnson and Ty Jerome. I mean, maybe we keep Tyler. It would be great if we did. Uh, you know, obviously on a better number. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But I think that maybe what happened, maybe the idea here is that Ty Jerome is going to be, you know, basically have a red shirt year behind him and then, and then become the backup point guard uh, after him. And, and I wanted to uh, jump onto your, your, your leadership point here. I, th- I think it was great. And one thing I, I want to point out is remember how much the other players loved Tyler Johnson? Yes. He was part of the Valley Boys. They made him part of their little gang. Like, he's, how cool is that? He's the one that got picked up off the floor on that famous yep. Valley Boys, you know, um, moment uh an image which i believe i was watching it the other day was from the warriors game where they beat the warriors that was that was where yep. the picture came from and, and tyler was uh you know causing offensive fouls diving all over the place and and that's where that photo came from when he when he dove for a loose ball max that was the best win of the season and he was instrumental in that win yep. he was fantastic in that game he had one of the biggest buckets of the game i think didn't he have a drive where he put it off the glass if I remember correctly. I believe uh, you were correct. Yep. It, and I remember him just stabilizing things. I remember he was distributing well. Like, that's the thing. The thing about Tyler Johnson is he's like an average NBA player. And because we're so starved for good players, like he just feels so good to us. He wasn't even good last year, David, and he made our team that much better. So it's kind of all upside with him. Like, even if he's sort of bad again, like, we already like the bad version of Tyler Johnson. Exactly. And I know we're being very ultra positive here. and and But it is worth mentioning, you know, the, not just starting point guard, the the guard rotation around Devin Booker yes. for two seasons has been terrible. Like, if yeah. you asked a GM to, you know, give Booker, you know, basically as many pieces or as many tries to fail in the NBA as possible, 
and have Booker <laughs> still beat you in that challenge. Ryan McDonough did that. Like, he didn't give yep. him absolutely anything to work with or the team anything to work with. So I think your point there, the, the bad version of Tyler Johnson is still actually good for this team next season. But you touched on Ty Jerome there, and before we flip over to him, great question from Alex Vero on Twitter and, and a great transition between the two, Max. Before we move on to Jerome, is Tyler expendable if Jerome is good enough for the rotation straight away? You kind of talked about that starter or you know mentor rookie type role, but say Ty Jerome does come out flashing. You know we've talked about Tyler's contract being you know pretty attractive for for big moves at other positions. Maybe you know does Ty Jerome make Tyler Johnson expendable? I don't know if that's the word that I would use. Expendable kind of implies that he'd be just kind of not – they had no point, basically. Yep. I don't think that's where he'd be because, you know, I think this team is still a guard short. Unless Ty Jerome really shows out that maybe they have the rotation intact. But, yeah. you know, I think right now they feel a guard short to me. Yep. So it would be difficult to, to call him expendable. However, if Ty Jerome does really exceed expectations and he's ready to be the backup point guard uh, right away – I think that Tyler Johnson all of a sudden becomes your salary in a trade at the deadline, right? If you're trying to make a, a improve the team trade, because mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, that 19 million dollars, it's hard to build uh, trades for star players without contracts like that. Yeah, it's the perfect contract for that, and, and I, even as a Tyler Johnson fan, have come to terms that he may not be back. Uh, you know, or he may get shipped off during the season, and that's just kind mm-hmm. of the way that the NBA goes sometimes. If you really want to make a leap, and you know, I guess that's a great way to finish on Tyler Johnson is he's a steady player for now, uh, but he's not gonna, I guess, cause the Suns to make a, an extra leap on top of hopeful improvements this season. But let's talk about your boy Ty Jerome, Max. Let's do it. So I, here's the thing about Ty Jerome, and we talked about this with Cole uh, last last time. It's an all an athleticism question with him. Is, is he going to be able to hang in the NBA athletically? If the answer to that question is yes, he's going to be a good player. There's a 100% chance of that. Yeah. If the answer to that question is no, there's a 100% chance he's not going to be a good player. It really is that simple. Um, and we're going to find that out. I think I don't think it's going to be uh, difficult to discern early on in the season. Dave. I think we're going to figure that question out pretty, pretty quick. Yeah, I think you're right. I just wanted to touch. I love that Nash answer. I thought that was hilarious in the rookie survey. Oh, yeah. yeah. His best player. Well, I, lo- I loved player. how he admitted it, too, when the Suns Reddit called <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Suns Reddit if he's listening. I thought that was a, yeah. a hilarious moment in the, the dark days of uh, NBA offseason. But, you know, a few people have pointed this out, but Virginia were literally the slowest-paced team in the entire country of college basketball yep. last season, but were the fourth most efficient. So, you know, I'm lower on Jerome than you even though i understand the skills it's just all about them translating and that's going to be the question for me is can that you know efficient offense that he's running maintain when you know he goes into a league where they are definitely not going to play as slow as virginia did everyone's going to be bigger stronger faster and you know i guess that famous quote that we've touched on a couple of times from the ringer scouting report you know does that 5g uh, while he's in 3G motion mm-hmm. with Tyler, still translate over for him in the NBA. And, you know, I think we might see him purely as a shooter to start straight away yeah. and, and not put a load on him as a, a ball handler or playmaker, Max. And that might be how he kind of gets his lumps in the NBA early on. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think he's going to be attached to the hip with Tyler Johnson. I think when he's on the court, it's always going to be with Tyler. Love it. I'd be surprised if it weren't. Yeah, love because it. Because Ty- Tyler can be the steadying presence. He can have the ball in his hands most of the time. Ty Jerome 
really, as you said, more of a spacer. Yep. Um, but, you know, as Tyler gets comfortable and say Tyler does translate, or sorry, Ty does translate and the athleticism works, mm-hmm. maybe he starts doing a little bit more, you know, just progressively does more and more. And, and that's something the Suns haven't been able to do over the past, uh, what, half decade now is, you know, integrate people slowly as they should be integrated into a team. Correct. They get these they get these roles that are, you know, too big for their bridges, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah. Like Josh Jackson, uh, you know, at the time, it seemed like he may be having a star breakout, but... Looking back on it, that second half of his rookie season, it was maybe the worst thing that happened to his development because he was just playing out of control. He had the ball constantly. He did whatever he wanted. He was inefficient as hell, but he was putting up these big scoring performances. He he started to think of himself as a star. Suns fans started to think that a little bit too. And, and nothing could have been worse for him. Uh, Ty Jerome is going to have the exact opposite experience in the NBA. They're going to they're going to If he's not ready to play, he won't play. If he's ready to play a little bit, he'll play a little bit. Like, he's going to be in the role that suits him. Totally agree. I think that's you know, the, the biggest issue with uh, Ryan McDonough's tenure, looking back on it in hindsight, is he threw all these guys mm-hmm. in. You know, we've hated on Josh Jackson quite a lot, but you know, you do have to factor in what the team did to Josh Jackson and, and whether a, yeah. a change in scenery and development might help Josh. And shout out Earl Watson for the faster, faster quote with Josh Jackson and, and totally ruining him here. But any on Ty, Glenn Brown on Twitter threw this one out and, and you're higher on Ty than me, Max, so I think you're the person mm-hmm. to answer this. He asked if we already have the point guard of the future on the roster already, and he didn't mention Jerome, so he may be talking about someone else. I'm not too sure. Maybe he loves point book, or maybe he's super high on Jalen LeCue, but Tyler Jerome at his peak in the NBA, if all those questions get answered, can he be a starting point guard in the lead, Max? You called him Tyler Jerome. I did that earlier, too. It's just impossible. Tyler Johnson and Ty Jerome have two similar names. It's not fair. It's a podcast host. Um, Don't give me one star for that, please. (laughs) Yeah, the answer to me is yes. I mean, he has the level of decision-making that I look for in a a starting NBA guard. Mm -hmm. So if he passes the athleticism thing, I mean, he's not tiny. He's six foot four. His arms are short. So I, 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 he's not like I think people sometimes view him as like Isaiah Thomas in terms of a liability defensively. I don't think he's going to be that. Yeah. Um, he is. Here's the thing about him. It, you mentioned the efficiency. I think what it was five. I think it was five assists to one turnover. One point five turnovers last season. Yeah. If he gets an NBA space and is just so and also NBA speed and pace, uh, and it's just it just kind of translate that to an extent, but just it kind of blows up productivity wise. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see why not. If you watch the guy play for Virginia, he had moments where he was the best player on the court all the time. It happened constantly. I, I think that Ty Jerome, if, if he were athletic, he would have been like the number one pick in the draft kind of thing. Maybe not, not over Zion, but you know what I mean? I think he's that like, kind of a skill level player. So if he passed the athleticism threshold, I, I really don't see why he couldn't be a starting NBA guard. Yeah, I agree. At, at his peak, if everything works out, I think he could be a starting point guard on the right team. You know, the Steve Nash comparisons are there. He's even brought it on himself by answering that question with Steve Nash. But, you know, he was a guy that wasn't ultra-athletic, a little bit smaller than Ty. I love that you just made that point there and made me think and and have a quick look. Ty Jerome's 6'5", Tyler Johnson's 6'4", Ricky Rubio's Mm. 6'4", Devin Booker's 6'6", off the top of my head. The Suns aren't going to be going out with any midget guards anymore max no no they're a big team they may they not big, be and deandre Ayton's going to be the tallest guy on the court yeah. whenever he's out there basically so they'll be a big team yeah they may not be you know overly athletic i think tyler johnson we haven't seen his athleticism 
uh, of what it used to be in Miami. Maybe that comes yeah. back next season. Ty Jerome's not going to turn into you know anything athletically. We, we're not going to no. expect anything there. But yeah, they're going to have some big guards out on the court, which is a, an interesting fact of this team that I hadn't thought of previously. Yeah, I kind of view them in terms of a long-term projection. And this is a little bit off topic, but I'm going to go there anyway. I, I kind of think that's why I like Booker point guard so much. I see them as like a giant team. Yeah. I think that is kind of their future, so I like how they're sort of moving that direction already. Hmm, interesting. Now, Lequeu, Okobo, Carter are the other three point guards. We'd be remiss yeah. not to just mention their names in a point guard uh, episode about the Phoenix Suns offseason. Do you have anything to say about any of those three gentlemen, Max? Well, before we started, uh, I told you that I had totally forgotten that Javon Carter was a person before you put him in the, in the notes for the show. So that was a, a reminder. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, we've talked about Lequeu a decent amount. I'm very excited for him now after what we saw in Summer League. Yeah. He's not going to do anything this year. I'd be stunned if he even played in the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does, it's going to be minimal. If, if, if he plays a lot, it's probably a bad thing. Um, yeah, I, think Okobo, I, I think we've touched on that before. If we're seeing a lot of Jalen yeah. Lequeu, uh, maybe there's a 1% chance it's because he's amazing straight away, and there's a yeah. 99% chance it means the Suns suck again. So I'm actually not hoping for Jalen Lequeu, as positive I am about his uh, future, and I will definitely be tuning into some G League games to see him with the Northern Arizona Suns. Yeah, if Ryan McDonough was still the GM, we wouldn't have Rubio. We'd be probably trying to start GM or something. So. <laughs> I'm glad we're not doing that. Uh, Elia Kova, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year still. Yeah. Uh, maybe he will be, but if he is, I think he'll play a very small role. He may even not play at all. He may be in the G League. Um, he's pretty disappointing so far. I still, I'm not giving up entirely on him. I just don't think he's a point guard, really. He's more of a combo guard. Yeah, that's, that's one scout that I got right from... Uh, that draft is I really yeah. doubted that Ali was going to be able to translate as a point guard. Maybe he still can. Maybe there's there's time there in the tank. But uh, right now, he, he definitely looks more like a combo and, and not a very good one in the NBA. But no. my only point on these three is, you know, we really shouldn't be going into the season with all three of them on a 15-man roster. And I'd, I'd no. you know, anticipate you alluded to it there probably a Kobo might go you know the Suns if you look at their depth chart they could still do with a maybe a shooting guard who's either a, yep. a defender or just a shooter or both would be great I don't know if someone who does both is still lying around on the minimum in free agency but you know if in a vacuum it was a choice between a Kobo and Carter I'd probably still go a Kobo but you know Jerome's presence on the team really clouds that and I can totally see why they'll keep Carter over a Kobo going into the season, Max. And there's also the fact that I think, I think I've said this in the podcast before, but the fact they traded for him yes. in sort of an embarrassing trade, they don't, they don't want to cut him. <laughs> Cutting him would be bad. Uh, I'm looking at the free agent guards right now to see like, who they could sign. Because I agree, I, I said this earlier, I think they, they are kind of a guard short here. We need we need um, your cricket sound effects from, from last episode here, Max. I know, right? What do you think <laughs> about Sean Livingston? I, I don't think he's that good anymore, but I, I think I could see that the kind of guy that James Jones would want to pick up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. He'd be a good presence around the team. Um, my feel is that Sean, who said he's not retiring, is probably just going to wait it out until a contender comes knocking halfway mm. through the season, mm-hmm. perhaps. That would be my only, my only guess there on Sean. How about Devin Harris? Devin Harris I love, who's... Just underrated all the time. Goes in, earns his spot in the rotation, even though he has no right to at his age. Uh, and would be a pretty decent 
add to the team, definitely. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. Uh, some other names, Jonathan Simmons, he's been pretty bad lately. Yep. But uh, he's an interesting name, sort of. Jody Meeks, maybe? If you just, interesting. Yeah, so, if you just want a straight shooter um, off, the, off the bench, that's definitely a guy and probably the best one left on the market, I would imagine. If they have an injury, they're going to need to sign somebody. So if I'm them, I just do it now, honestly. Yep, I totally agree. And unless you can, you know, throw a Kobo and a, a pick or something for someone that's on a current roster, maybe that's a, yeah. another episode where we can look at, you know, underappreciated guys that aren't going to get minutes on other teams next season. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. I wish I would have prepared that for this episode. Sorry, listeners. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that soon. That's more. Um, that's more shooting guard than point guard. So we'll, we'll let ourselves off the hook is. there, Max. I think people liked our shooting guard episode. We focused on uh, Devin Booker, and we were quite high on him, David. Yes, I'm still coming down from that one. All right, David. Enough of this nonsense. Let's go to seven seconds or less. It is your turn this week to ask me the questions. You'll ask me three. I don't know what they are. I haven't prepared for them. I have seven seconds. Or less to answer them, even though I think we break that rule every single week, David. Yes, and I may have broken it with the way that I've asked these questions. So <laughs> okay. we'll see how we go. We're, we're going to go with the three guys we've talked about the most in this episode. So starting off with Ty Jerome, I want to test how deep your loyalty to Ty runs already. Here are all okay. the point guards taken in the last three drafts and their ages. I want you to tell me which ones you wouldn't trade Jerome for right now and a reminder ty is 22 years of age and from the 2019 draft so from that same draft jar morant is 20 darius garland is 19 and kobe white is 19 would you not trade ty jerome for any of those guys oh my god i am such a homer i I would trade him for jar morant just because you kind of have to um, oh God, I guess I would trade him for Garland. I don't think I'd trade him for Kobe White. Am I insane, dude? <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer, and I love it. <laughs> 2018, Luca is 20, Sexton is 20, SGA is 21, and Aaron Holiday is 22, Max. Oh, man. So, Aaron, I mean, famously, I hate I hated Aaron Holiday in the draft, yep. but he's actually looks pretty good, and the Indiana really likes him. Ah, uh, man, I guess... Uh, I don't think I would trade Hydrone for Aaron Holiday. Um, the rest of the guys, I think I have to, right? <laughs> yep, love it. 2017, Fultz, 21. Ball, 21. Fox, 21. Frank Nidalekina, 21. Dennis Smith Jr., 21. I would trade him for Lonzo, and I would trade him for Fox in like half a millisecond. Uh, the other guys I would not trade him for. Love uh, it. Definitely not Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. All right, question two. Tyler Johnson. The elephant in the room is his $19 million expiring deal. If the Suns look to make a splash after a decent start, which star player would you be the most in favor of? Blake Griffin. Love it. And if he isn't traded and plays well, you alluded to this before, what does a reasonable Johnson deal look like in the summer of, uh, for a 28-year-old combo guard, I believe he'll be? Interesting. Um, $10 million a year, maybe, for, like, three? Okay, okay. He'd, he'd be playing yeah, pretty I think, well. I think it's important for, for people to realize how inflated salaries are now, they used to be. Yeah, I think we really saw that this this year. Like ten million dollars is like backup point guard money now. Yeah, well let's let's go. You know, Ish Smith from before two years, yeah. twelve yeah. million. Yeah. Uh, George Hill, who's getting on and and wasn't very good before a playoff surge, three twenty nine. Yeah. yeah, you got Delon Wright and Tyler and uh, Delon Wright and what's his fucking now? Tyus Jones also make about ten million, right? Uh, yep, yep. Tyus a little bit less, but yeah, Delon's right around that mark. So yeah, you you're, you're pretty bang on there. 
So question three, Ricky Rubio. Let's say the Rubio experiment goes well, but after two years, the Suns still don't have a point guard or power forward of the future to go with Book, Aiton, and Mikhail. You can trade Ricky and the same package for only one of these guys who are all about to be restricted free agents the summer after the trade. Lonzo okay. Ball, Laurie Markkinen, John Collins. Who are you taking the gamble on? Hmm, that's a great question. Man, in a, in a vacuum, I use that phrase too much, but in a vacuum, I would do John Collins. I think he's the best player, but I don't like him with Aiden at all. Yep. Um, oh, I think I think you have to go Lowry Markin in there, right? I mean, I don't want to make the U of H order that the happiest thing that's ever happened to them, <laughs> but uh, I, I think he makes the most sense uh, on this team. I, Lonzo, I love Lonzo, but man, it's, just, you can't, it's too big of a risk. Yep. I probably lean to that answer as well. And that is the end of seven seconds or less this week, Max. That was a good one. You tested me on that one, David. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it for us, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. David, you actually have some reviews to read this week, right? Yeah. I wanted to thank a handful of people who, after last week, jumped on and, and rated us. But special thanks to Jim Forbes and Josh Pascoe, who also left a review. And, and Josh said that this Suns podcast strikes the perfect balance between analytics, fandom, and fun. There are a lot of Suns podcasts out there, but Max and David have a great connection and offer completely different attitudes and specialities when it comes to assessing the Suns. As an international listener, the podcast separates itself by having an international flavor, with Max being an American and David being an Australian. I still think that's the coolest part about our episode, our podcast, Max. But Josh it said, is. of the many Suns podcasts I listen to, this is always the first on my list when a new episode drops. So thank you very much, Josh. And Jim, over in the States, I've been here for ages. It all started when Coles Wicker came on to talk about offensive <laughs> feel and floater touch and other great Wicker stuff. When he left the podcast, <laughs> he left me here. The Suns are a really bad and pretty dysfunctional basketball team, and I have absolutely no affiliation to them, yet I can't stop listening. Help. In all seriousness, you two do a great job. And we've talked about this, Max. I love hearing from non-Suns fans who listen to us because we do throw a fair bit of general NBA stuff in there, but we must be doing something right if, if non-Suns fans are still tuning into us, Max. There is no greater compliment to me than that. And uh, seriously, we say this most weeks, but man, you guys' reviews make us feel good. Like it's, it's just great to see these things. It makes us really happy. It makes it worth doing this. Obviously, we don't get paid for this, so that's that's the payment that we need. That's all we need in the world. Yep, and no one got to us about the new platform that we switched over to, so I think everyone was okay there. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and YouTube, and if there's something else that I'm missing, listeners, that you listen on, please let me know, because I like to keep up with that, and moving over to the new platform, we've been able to make ourselves available on a few more different places, but Max, we're finishing off the series next episode with Aiton and Baines at centre. Mm, I'm excited for that one. You can also follow us on Twitter, David, at the four point play. I am at Maximus DC11. Do not follow if you don't like Kyler Murray. Um, I, <laughs> I think that's it, David. That is it, and thanks to everyone for our 60th episode. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>